Hello, I'm Ken Bruce. I appeared as a guest on My Time Capsule, and after that I had to give up a job I'd had for 46 years. <sighs> anyway, they want me to tell you that they've started a thing called Acast Plus, where for a small monthly fee you can get the podcast ad-free. For me, I think the ad's are the best thing in it. That Fenton Stevens, he does drone on a bit. Anyway, whatever you like, do something and have a go at it. ACAS Plus, my time capsule. Thanks, Ken. Charming. Anyway, to get my time capsule ad-free and for a bonus my time capsule, the debrief episode every week, subscribe to ACAS Plus. Details in the description of this episode. Thanks. Bloody Ken Bruce, what a cheek. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and My Time Capsule is a podcast where my guest tells me the five things from their life that they'd like to put in a time capsule. They choose four things that they treasure, but they also choose one thing they'd like to get rid of from their life, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. Well, that's what usually happens. More of that in a minute. My guest in this episode is a favourite of the stand-up circuit, both in this country and around the world. Having performed in New York, Boston, Hong Kong, Singapore, Brussels, Milan, Paris and Australia, it's the Irish comedian Jason Byrne, described by the Times as, and I quote, the outright king of live comedy. Something I think he'll demonstrate here. Jason is the biggest selling comedian at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and his sellout shows have attracted accolades including the highly coveted Perrier Newcomer Award nomination and the Perrier Award nomination. His television credits include Live at the Apollo, Comedy Annual on ITV, Dave's One Night Stand, The Channel 4 Comedy Gala, John Bishop's Only Joking on Sky, and Anonymous on RTE2. Jason's radio credits include Just a Minute, and The Winner Is, and of course, Father Figure. He also hosted three series of The Jason Byrne Show on BBC Radio 2, for which he won the Sony Radio Gold Award for Best Comedy. Anyway, as I intimated earlier, I have to warn those of you who like the format of this show so much that it annoys you if the guest doesn't really play along. But Jason did this recording for me, having just performed for the first time the night before a show he's performing in Edinburgh. So I think we can forgive him if this episode turns out to be one of the, well, let's use the words, looser shows, shall we? But I can promise you it's no less fun for that. In fact, I think it was me enjoying our chat so much that was the reason we never really got round to talking about time capsules until right at the end. 
Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the brilliant Jason Byrne as much as I did. Hello, mate. How are you? Hiya. <laughs> I'm in my car because I just finished training there, so I'm uh, on. Hang on, I'm not going to show you. Where are you? Just in the, the do- near, near. Well, I'm in Dublin. Oh wow! Right on the docks there. Well, that's the docks. Gorgeous morning, isn't it? Thank God. It's a rarity, isn't it? Yeah, and listen, sorry about changing the bloody times all the time. It's all right, don't worry about it. Amazingly, this morning, sometimes it works out that, you know, you end up sort of going, I'll do something else today, which is fine. I've always got things to do with my time. <laughs> yeah. I'm very good at wasting my time, don't worry. Oh, uh, right, okay. But actually, today what it's turned out is that I'm talking to you now, and then at 11 o'clock I'm talking to David Gower. Oh, my God. I know. What a jump. I know, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then this afternoon, I'm talking to John Tarod. Oh, my God, the master chef fella. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's him. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of talking. It's a lot of listening, I hope. Well, a lot of listening, I call it. Okay, yeah, true, true, a lot of listening. Really? Yeah, because I, I just did a play about my dad. My dad passed away about two years ago, so I decided to do a play about him. That's what I was so... Oh, because I foolishly did, I'm doing two shows in Edinburgh ah. and Mike, I've never done a play before. And so the <laughs> play is taking up loads of time, more than it should. How do you approach it then with the play? Well, the play is, um, my dad was, was called Paddy. So he always sat in a shed smoking cigarettes. And because like, somebody asked me, I actually never even thought of this. They said, what does he do out there? Like, what does he make? Yeah. I went, he doesn't make anything. <laughs> he sits there with a cigarette and a whiskey and uh, listens to the radio. And do this crossword. Yeah. And so anyway, I call his name is Paddy, but I called this show Paddy Lama Shed Talks because he was very uh, like that, very laid back, like old Irish, lots of knowledge. <laughs> so I play him. I play him for the hour. Oh, brilliant. What a wonderful thing. Yeah. Do, are you actually quoting things that he said to you? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And then, of course, I have to sprinkle them then with, with kind of a bit of drama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but more or, le- more or less, yeah, it, got, like nearly all... Yeah, all the stories are true that, that are in the play and people can't believe, they think I'm making them up. And actually to back them up, my mother and my sister, I've interviewed them mm. and you, 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 I play in their interviews during the play. Brilliant. So you can hear my mother talk about my dad. So <laughs> oh, funny. fantastic. And where's that going on? You're doing that at the moment? Yeah, so I did that preview the other night and, I have to, and then straight after I have to do another rehearsal. So. Uh, and then I'm doing it in uh, Edinburgh for three weeks. Brilliant. So that's the next month. Yeah, yeah. Month. Well, I hope that's it goes fantastic. on from there. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, that you don't actually remember those things about people until you really start talking about them. It's the thing that happens on this all the time. People say things, and it sparks off a memory for me that has completely gone from my head. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Yeah, my dad My dad was amazing, man. You know what I mean? He re- but, and the thing was, he died at 80 years of age, but he had... He had a full head of hair. He used to do stupid things like in the pub. He used to get people to pull his hair. He'd go, pull it, go on, pull it. Because they all tried to die. But he didn't look like an old man. Do you know what I mean? No. So he he moved around and he was quite full. And then he died. He had a stroke one day and he died He died in two days. That's not a bad thing. I know. Is that funny that you say that? That's in the actual play. Is it? Where they go, yeah, he was a lucky bastard. You know, he died in two days. It's true. <laughs> it's like, it's true. My mother always had a tea towel. You see, now this is one of those things. Exactly what you're yeah. saying made me think of this. My mother had a tea towel hanging up in our kitchen when I was a kid, which she'd bought in Dublin. Oh. And it said, uh, may you be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. <laughs> 
That's cool. It's nice. Isn't it? I've not thought about that. I think since I rushed out of my house and never came back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I. Oh yeah, and the tea tail thing you mentioned there was was that tea tail? Because in Ireland we had these in the eighties. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen them in Britain as well. Where how the tea tail was hung up? The, the thing you used to press, push the tea tail into. This kind of star, this rubber thing yeah. that was in the kitchen. Yes. And then my my mum, my mum, I don't know about you, but my mum and dad, they never replaced anything. They just wore it down so it fell off something. <laughs> and so like they could have gone and got that for 50 pence in the shop. But they would have like three or four tea towels rammed into that that little star <laughs> thing. And we got, I'll be all right, you'd be grand. Yes. And my, my dad was my dad was DIY as well. My dad was a cooper. He worked for Guinnesses. Oh, right. And during the, oh my God, it's amazing because I did a kind of a, who do you think you are over here in Ireland? Mm. And it, it wasn't great because my dad side all made barrels for Guinnesses for <laughs> five generations. <laughs> Let's see what his dad did. Oh, hang yeah. on a minute. <laughs> yeah. And they just kept doing that and going, oh, okay. But then there was one bizarre thing with my, my dad and that really did show a type of fella. My dad wasn't his family. So the famine in Ireland, in Dublin, right where I am now here, literally across the way there, loads of people got on ships there and headed to, like, you know, over to Liverpool or they went to New York or Mm -hmm. these coffin ships, they were called. But while that was happening, my great-great-granddad was in Guinness's making barrels with a full wage, a full belly, cigarettes, and would have seen that happening at the end of the docks going... I wonder where, where they're all going. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. I'm making beer. Come back. I know. It's like, what? That's amazing to think that, yeah. that was happening. Extraordinary. But, yeah. Extraordinary history yeah. of Ireland. We're not taught it in this country. It's weird, isn't it? Because yeah. to a large extent, we're responsible for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. And then, and funny enough, we don't get taught uh, a lot of the British history. Do you know what I mean? When we were kids. Yeah. But the other thing I always found bizarre was the religion when we were kids. There was only one religion in the world, which was Catholic. Yes. <laughs> there was no other religions. No. And so there was no mentions of like any, like the, the Buddha, even though, you know, Jesus was a Jew, we still were not allowed to learn anything about, you know, Judaism, none, none at all, which is like Catholic, Catholic. And that was it. Yeah. And like kids nowadays in our schools here, they get taught all religions, you know? Yeah. And I think the fear of the Catholic church was that, the children would leave and try and go to another religion or something when they get older. It doesn't show a lot is, of confidence, does it? No, because it's a rubbish religion as well. It's just misery. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's absolute misery. It like doesn't I, I make said, any sense, does it, either? No, no, it doesn't. And I was only looking for my stand-up. I was trying, trying to work out, you know, diff, odd things that Irish people do. And because I remember my mother, like, saying that, uh, you know, because uh, I was – my friend, there's a friend of mine, Nassim Hussein, and he's an Australian Muslim comedian. Right. And I was trying to tell, tell my mum this about <laughs> Muslim. And she was going, Muslim? What? Uh, yeah, I know that. What's, is that where they pray to the sun or something? I was going, <laughs> yeah, 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 I suppose so, ma'am, yeah. And she said, very strange what they believe in, very strange. And while she's saying that, there's a statue on her mantelpiece, which is the, the child of Prague, right? Which, which is... Which is and we think, so I go, well, you think that religion's unusual. The child of Prague is taken out the day before a wedding and all the women pray around this little baby statue so that the next day there's good weather. Wow. And, and they, pr- yeah. And they're not allowed to knock it over on purpose, 
But if, if it gets knocked over by accident and the head falls off, that's that's good luck. <laughs> so like you'll see you'll see statues of Prague all over Ireland in houses with a broken head. And they're all gonna, you know, don't touch that. Don't touch that. That's very, very, very lucky. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yes, I was brought up a Catholic. My mother was very strict Catholic. She would have loved to have been Irish, I think. She spent a lot of her time oh. going to Ireland. She almost pretended she was, you know. Was your dad Irish? No. No, you'd think so. Stevens is a that's an Irish name, isn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah, you have that I think here. it is. But his family, no, London-born for generations. So I'm not really sure. I think there may have been some Irish in, in our family way back. But my dad wasn't even Catholic. But your mum went to mass? My mum was madly into going to church. She went every day. That is bizarre, but your dad wasn't Catholic? No, no. He sang in the choir. He liked singing. Oh, wow. But that's really unusual that a, a couple in those days, only one of them decided to go to mass and the other one didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. They're all Catholics. Like, the whole family were dragged to mass to hear the misery together as a group. I remember seeing those men sitting at the back of the church, you know, just looking mm. to their watch, wondering when, when's it going to finish so they could go over the road to the pub. <laughs> I know, it's weird, isn't it? Mm. It's almost like they need, they need some sort of permission from God. Like, if they put in the mass, they'll go over and then they'll go, and it's okay to get drunk and get hammered and yeah. spend all their weight because <laughs> they just they just seen God. Like, okay. if God like, if God's God, yeah, you go and have a good time now. Don't worry about us. But surely that is Catholicism absolutely in a bag. Mm. The idea that you can do what you like as long as you say sorry. It's unbelievable. I mean, and a priest, yeah, you're going to live. I remember going in. Well, first of all, how you say sorry at the very start is bizarre. Because I went to, my first confession was, uh, there was a book, I can't remember. Oh my God, I can't see. It was, it was a prose in school. And it was called My First Confession. But that actually happened to me. And I was thinking, Did that, was that the book or was that me? Then I realized, no, it was me. <laughs> and about age seven, we make our communion, which is, you know, like the, you're accepted into, well, first of all, you got to be, this is mad. Yeah, it's it's like being a member of the Beano. Do you ever been a member of the Beano? You'd get the little cards. Yes. From Dennis the Menace. <laughs> so yes. So to be a me- to, to do anything in the Catholic Church, you've got to be a member. So you've got to get baptized all the way back first. Otherwise, yeah. you're not allowed to do all the other stuff. You can't do the communion, the confirmation. You can't have the communion, all that, unless you have baptized, first of all. So you've got to do that stuff first. Actually, funny enough, we, at my first child, we weren't too sure whether to baptize or not. We weren't, but we, we weren't really into it. We eventually made up our mind when he was four years of age. <laughs> and we went to the baptism. And in Ireland, uh, you know, they do. So, so it, it, yeah, the whole place is just a big contradiction. Mass is empty. Nobody goes to mass. There's actually a crisis here. Oh my God, there was a priest on the radio going, we are in a crisis now. We cannot find priests. They have to, they have to, <laughs> they have to bring them in from other countries. <laughs> They're bringing them in from other countries. Pe- like, people who are willing not to have sex. That's what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, what an ad. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't like a fiddle, you do not like a fiddle, come to Ireland. And, and so... Yeah, I mean, like my, my mum had a priest, and again, you know, your mo- your mum, my mum is seventy eight now. She's still alive, but she still says whatever she wants. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And there was a guy, a lovely priest, was brought in, probably just before COVID, anyway. And my mum goes, "He's from Nigeria, you know," and she goes, "He's a lovely fella, a lovely man, but none of us know what he's saying. <laughs> we don't understand what he's saying." Perfect. It's almost back to the days of Latin. Yeah, I know. So they're all trying to, they're watching what he's doing and they're trying to guess when to stand or sit. 
That's the thing I remember was the rules, constant rules. That stand up, Michael. Yeah. Michael, stand up. Sit down, Michael. Kneel, Michael. Put your head down. Yeah. Put your head up. Say these words. <laughs> it just, oh, my God. This is, I, I've never done a play that's harder than doing mass. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The cues in mass. Yeah, there's a play. Yeah. Hamlet is easier than, that, than mass. Because there's also the trick, the really difficult trick of going to a mass in a different parish. Because mm. they can change it, you know. They can, oh, they can, you're allowed, you're allowed change. I mean, the bell, the bells always more or less mean stand up, you know, the jingling link. Mm-hmm. And actually straight in here, Michael, I was an altar boy. I was a head altar boy and uh, I was the one with the big cross, you know, oh, big cross. Yeah. Yeah. So I had four lads behind me with, with shitty little candles, but I had the big cross mm. and the priest was behind them. So I was, I was in charge. I was more or less the MC. You know, I was leading the whole thing. <laughs> Where you so went, I, they followed. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when Mass was literally sold out. It was like hundreds of people just, and me going up with the big cross. So how slow or fast I went was how quick we got to the, up to the thingy. <laughs> so we went up one day, and it was all so like, oh my God, it was just unbelievable. So spiritual. I get the big cross. It was almost... Do you know, like Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he puts the staff in and the light goes, boing, like that. In the thing. That's what I did. I had a thing for that. I used to put it down and in my head, I used to try and get, because the sun used to come down behind us yeah. through the church windows. Oh. In my head, I used to pretend I was Indiana Jones. Like just, I just plop it in and I would just light up the whole church. But I put it in and I sat down and I was really, I was so confident as a, as a, as a kid. I sat there and the priest went, Dear Guive, right? Which in it's that's Irish for hello or good day or you know or here we go, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So when you see someone or meet someone, you'd go Dear Guive, right? And so Dear Guive, and I just looked at the my mates, my other altar boys, and I went, "Oh shit!" I went what? This is nine thirty mass, as in half nine mass on Patrick's Day. It was in fucking Irish, <laughs> the whole thing. Now we in Ireland learn Irish for nine years. We can't understand any of it. We can we can fully write it. We can read it, yes. but we don't understand it. So there's the priest, right? And hundreds of people. And he's going, big weave, Irish, shiv, 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 shiv. He's talking full Irish. And I'm going, I don't know any of my cues now. And I mean, this is a big mass. <laughs> this is 9.30 at St. Patrick's Day. Like, this is the big, all the reviewers are in. That's what you're going to take, right? And I'm going, shit. So, the first mishap was I went up with a, I, I used to bring his water and he cleaned his hands with it while he was doing the Holy Communion, but, mm. you know, turning it into, into the body of Christ. And I just went up too early. I thought he said, I thought that's what he was doing. <laughs> and he started trying to elbow me away from him in front of everybody. <laughs> and he was going, not yet, not yet. I went, okay. So I backed away. So cut to then the biggest <laughs> moment was where I had to go down because in front of him and we knee, I would always kneel on the steps, like a big, huge, imagine a huge church. Mm. I kneel on the steps with the bell, the big bells. I had those big jingling, and then that was it, Michael. Oh my God. <laughs> I am looking at him and I am ringing those bells and I'm getting them all wrong. <laughs> Please nod. Please there's nod. People, there's, there's people standing up and I'm going ling, ling, ling and they're all sitting down again. And I, it, it went on and on. And then eventually I thought the mass was over. I got my stick. 
I must have been 10 minutes too early. And I was just standing with the stick. The priest has left me there. And then I went on to watch a movie called Sleepers. The brilliant movie Sleepers with Brad Pitt and all. Yeah. Uh, about the Catholic, about uh, these kids in uh, in Yonkers that basically end up in a prison or whatever, but they're altar boys. But the, one of them was messing with the clicker, making people stand up and down. <gasps> and I went, holy shit, that really happened to me with bells on yeah. St. Patrick's Day. Oh with the my Catholic God. religion. But it does bring a lot of humour, the Catholic religion here. Uh, it know? does all the time. Well, in a way, quite often adversity brings humour. And and for many people, it, it is a chore, isn't it? It's It's one of those things... It seemed to me when I was a kid that it was always put there to make you behave, but behave that the way that they saw behaving was was the right way to behave, you know. So I, for a long time, I pretended. You know, I was um, obviously destined to be an actor because I was quite good at pretending to be extremely good. I fooled all, <laughs> I'd fooled all my teachers. I fooled the priest. <laughs> I fooled all the nuns. They thought I was just the most angelic child because yeah. whenever I was in their presence, I, I just exhumed holiness. Wow, you just had that beautiful little face. That's it. Yeah. He's such a good child. Oh. With your fag, you probably had your fags down your trousers for cigarettes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, but ours was for fear. I mean, we had, um, uh, I remember my mum, I, I had a love bite on my neck. I was about 12. <laughs> it was Orna Ryan O'Brien that gave me the love bites. Don't worry, it's fine. She won't mind. We've all had one from her. Yes, we all had one from Orna. <laughs> and, uh, my ma- I was, I was, <laughs> I was having my dinner at the table in my brother's black polo neck. The- I mean, I never wore a polo neck, and my mom was kind of watching me. Like, I mean, all the stupid things to do. I just, had- I was pointing arrows at my neck, and your mother just always knew that you were doing, you're up to something. Mm. And my mom went, "What are you doing wearing a polo neck?" And no, she goes, "She goes, pull it down, pull it down." So I pulled down the polo neck. She seen the love by trying. Jesus Christ! So. That was about six o'clock that evening. We finished our dinner and she then dragged me up to the priest's house to, to have a chat about women. Wow. <laughs> At 12 years of age. The last person who'd know anything about it. I know. Isn't it bizarre? Mm. We have like still in this country, people go to for marital classes before they get married in the church. Yeah. You have to go. Oh. So the priest. My wife, who's, she's sort of Jewish. In order to get married in a Catholic church, my wife had to go for Catholic lessons. So she, she went to one lesson with this priest. At the beginning, he said, you're going to have to come about 12 times. You do realise that. It's complicated, this. And I've got to take you through the whole thing, and you have to do the full 12 before they'll let you get married in a Catholic church. And she went, OK. I said, so how did it go? She said, well, before he started, I said to him, so explain to me the existence of God. And he went, well, we'll come to that. He said, no, no, I mean, surely that's fundamental, isn't it? If you can explain yeah. to me the existence of God and persuade me that that uh, makes any sense at all, I'd be happy to listen to the rest of it. And he, she said, struggled for about 10 minutes. She questioned everything he said for about 10 minutes. And then he said, well, I think that'll do, that'll do. And that was it. She never had to go back. Oh, no way. Yeah. Because she questioned the priest. Because he didn't have the answers. Well, he's never going to have the answers, is he, to something like that? No, but also nobody had ever said to him, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. No, because, oh my God, in Ireland as well, it was doctors and priests. You never questioned them. No. I mean, that's, a, that's not like, my mother uh, still goes, yes, father, yes, father, absolutely, that to any priest. Doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, or what any kind of, mm-hmm. it's always, yes, father, yes, father. And she bows her head and in shame almost to talk to them. <laughs> and, and and my mum's had a, 
like triple bypass surgery and stents and everything. And I, and actually I have as well. I had five stents because of the hereditary high cholesterol thing from the old parents. Yeah. So we're going to see her professor. I mean, I, I always ask what their name is, you know, the <laughs> professor, the heart surgeon. Yeah. And he, my mom, my mom goes, yes, doctor, no doctor, you're dead right, doctor. I'm going, no, ask him, ma'am, ask him the question. Yeah, yeah. And the doctor's then looking at me going, oh, shit, now I got, and I go, what's your name? And he goes, uh, Professor fucking Murphy or something. I go, no, but what's your name? Mm. And he goes, P-, I go, right, your name's Peter. Brilliant. Now we've got all that horrible barrier hierarchy bullshit out of the way. Now tell me what's wrong with my mother, you know? Yeah. And most of the time they're all right. But the priest, no way. Like, he, they were, like my dad. So two years ago, my dad passed away, said, and he hated the Catholic Church because he was taught by Christian brothers. Oh, Lord. Yeah, which Ireland used to say were the, the military wing of the Catholic Church <sighs> was the Christian brothers. So they used to beat the fuck. And they were, and look, a lot of them joined to get near children. Do you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what they did. And that's just, that's what happened. It was rife around Ireland. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they could get walk in there and be in full control of a school as soon as they're ordained. Like, and that was what they did. Yeah. And my, my dad said they were like, we think about what they could do. They, they took the belt off. They had the, like my dad said, they had like a whip thing with like, like almost like a cat of nine tail thing. You know, that kind of, with the, yeah. They used to whip, cross their hands and their backs in front of other kids. So my dad didn't like them at all. Right. So he never went to math. Like, and he loved it. He was all my, my mother. I remember once I was 14 or so, 14, 15. And uh, my dad says, do you want to go to mass today? I says, oh, I don't really want to go. He goes, well, stay in your pajamas. You don't have to go. <laughs> so my mum came in in her Sunday best all ready to collect, take me. She goes, what are you doing in your pajamas? I says, uh, dad says I don't have to go. <laughs> and my dad was the boss of the house as well anyway. Mm. And he went, leave him. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't fucking want to go. He's not going. I, my mum went, well, then I'll pray for you two bastards today, she said. Yeah. <laughs> and up she went. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt this programme, but it's time for some adverts, which I hope you enjoy while I go off and pray for forgiveness. Back in a minute. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome back. No thunderbolts yet, so let's get back to Jason Byrne and find out what else he'd like to put in his time capsule. And then this is actually in my dad's play that I do. I'm doing on the farm at the moment in Edinburgh. Is I says I said to my mom, "Do you remember when Father Murtha was sitting in this house, ma'am, and Dad came home from work?" And she went, "Oh my God, I forgot." So she, she what happened was. Father Murta was our parish priest and he was sitting in my dad's chair in the living room with a whiskey and sandwiches because all the that's what the that's what they did. Mm. They called into houses for food and money. People gave them money. They just put them in a little envelope and went, that's for the, that's for the parish now. Yeah. They collected money. Mm. So he's sitting there, Father Murta. He's having his whiskey and his sandwiches, and my dad comes in, in his overalls from Guinness's, most likely has already had two pints in Guinness. <laughs> Because they got it for free. Yes. And my dad stood over Father Murta in front of my mother and went, Who the fuck is that? These actual words. <laughs> Who the fuck? Right. And my mum went, That's Father Murta, the parish priest. And my dad said, I couldn't give a fuck who he is. Tell him to get out of my chair. He wouldn't even address him. And my Father Murta had to stand up with a whiskey and a sandwich and just walk by my dad. And my dad, no doubt would have made him, like, kind of shuffle by him. Mm. Wouldn't have got out of his way. And then my dad sat down. My mum didn't really talk to him for, like, two weeks after that. Because <laughs> she was absolutely... I've got to go to mass now. I'm mortified. Well, of course, all the authority in that position is because of your faith and because of the fact that people give it to you. Yeah. So you take it away. Somebody says, I don't, I don't care. I don't care if you're the local priest. It's gone. It disappears. But at the same time, when my mother died, and she died suddenly over, you know, very quickly as well, and she was in the hospital bed, and we knew she was basically dead. They were sort of keeping her alive. And I said, I think we should get a priest. I mean, and all of us had rejected this thing. We all felt it was rubbish yeah, because it's what she wanted and it was her life. And yeah. this priest came along, he stood there, held her hand, said some prayers. It was really lovely. And I, I felt, um, I thought that, you know, she'd had a great thing in her life, despite the fact for all of us, it was a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I've often heard other people say, but I say, it, I'm kind of envious of people that have a faith. Mm. And once I was doing a gig in Hong Kong, I was walking on the road with my friend, Colin Murphy. And an old man, really old, frail man. He, when he wasn't frail, but he was very, like, he, he was very skinny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he just had rags around his, his mid area, like pants that were like, that's all he had. Mm. And some sandals. But he had a load of sticks on his back, big pile of sticks. And he was walking by us in the streets of Hong Kong. And then I was watching him because he looked like a caricature of, I've never been there, of this, this, this local. And he put down the sticks and he went to, uh, a, like a Buddhist area where, you know, they burn the incense mm. and all. And he burnt that and he prayed and then put the sticks back on and then walked off. And that's what I said to Colin. I says, he absolutely thinks he's going somewhere else for sure. Yeah. So his life looks really horrendous, but it's not that bad because he has his faith. Mm. So that's why a lot of people 
don't fear death and they don't fear this and that because they really believe that they're going to go somewhere else. And sometimes, I mean, I was a, in a kid, I was like, you know, as a kid, I was a bit like your wife. I used to question everything in school and on the priests and I'd question the teachers and because our teachers were nuns and priests. And I just, I was always like going, I used to remember saying, well, first I remember saying when I was very young, I was going, was the Bible just created to keep everybody quiet? I said to a nun. <laughs> she went, I beg your pardon. This is God's word. I went, I says, I reckon a room full of lads got together and just started writing this. And mm. then just went, there's a religion that's, that might settle everybody down. And not only that, I said to her, maybe it made, it was for really poor people. I said to her, <laughs> yeah. that had nothing. They had nothing at all. So maybe give them this little bit of thing. And then they, they, they'll feel that they're rich and they have some sort of wealth. And she just was staring at me. I was, I don't know. I must have been about 11 or so. Yeah. She's just looking. She couldn't, she couldn't answer me. No, of course. Cause there's in a way you sort of go, yeah, that's almost certainly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, like the word of God, like it's just, what? Oh, that's <laughs> no, some, a couple of lads wrote it. You know what I mean? Like they got together and they made this great book and it's like, whatever. <laughs> Everybody follows us. Then people edited it according to what suited them best. Yes. And I think, I I mean, Ricky Gervais is very good, isn't he, on the whole Catholicism and the whole the whole religious stuff. Mm. What did he say? He said, isn't it really handy, I'm paraphrasing now, isn't it really handy that we're all born into the country that suited our religion? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so like, you can imagine me, little Jason, just being born into a middle middle of a Muslim community somewhere in, in Iran or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, and then somebody goes, I think you're in the wrong country. We're going to have to deport you now to Ireland. You know, this questioning of, um, of the Quran you keep doing, yeah. it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't be doing that. No. Don't be doing that. I was actually in Dubai again doing shows. And they have the call to prayer. It happens everywhere, you know, in the malls and everything. It just kicks off, mm. you know. And, and I was with my, uh, the guy who promotes the stuff, a uh, Muslim, uh, Amir. Yeah, it was Amir. And I said, because um, I, when I first heard it, I didn't know what it was, of course. I mean, I heard it. I've heard it before. I went, what exactly is that? And he goes, well, that's called to prayer. That's the, they're, they're singing the Quran. And they're, mm. I'm going, well, where are they? I says, we have that in Ireland. And he was going, what? <laughs> I says, yeah. At six o'clock, we have a thing called the Angelus, where basically we have the bongs. We mm. call it the bongs. Mm. At six o'clock, everywhere in Ireland, you hear the churches going. And on the television, just before the news, it goes, now it's time for the Angelus. It's 2022. And they still play the Angelus on the telly before the news. They're about to go to live footage of war in the Ukraine or COVID kicking in or yeah. some sort of other... Me- but they just go, and, and on next it just goes, you hear these church bells just going, bong, bong. And there's just all these different footage of all these actors reflecting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, there's a mechanic, Michael, and he comes out from underneath the bonnet of a car and he just looks <laughs> up into the sky <laughs> with his oily face going, bong, bong, going, yes. There's yes, an I'm airline pilot just about to crash into yes. it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's a man driving a taxi, just veering across the road while he contemplates God. Yeah, and look, one of my favourite comedians ever was Dave Allen, who absolutely lived off the Catholic Church. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what he did. And to watch him sitting there, where I, I used to sit with my dad. My dad would be like crying, laughing, watching him. And Dave Allen was so brave to tackle that. Mm. Like, 
and then do it in sketches, like dressing up as bishops and priests. <laughs> Once he did a sketch, a very famous sketch, I don't know if you remember, where the two coffins are chasing each other to get into the grave. <laughs> yes, I do, yeah. Yeah, because in the Catholic, you, you nobody, I never even knew this, you're not allowed to be buried at the same time as somebody else. No, really? It, I didn't know it, that. Is that what that sketch is based on? Yeah, because that's when they're throwing the coffin over the wall and trying to get a shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> because because this is the other amazing thing about our religion is that you have to it's almost like you have to queue up you can't <laughs> you can't have an unorderly line at the gates of heaven with same people just saying peter just going the jews get buried at the same time you know the rules you you should have got at 11 you were due in at 12 <laughs> so like it's like so you'll see that in a church you'll see different coffins are going into a graveyard but they won't be put in at the same time Wow. It must be a priest just looking over while the other priest just gives him a thumbs up. He's in, he's in. That's he's what in. it is though, isn't it? It is, it's just a great big list of rules <laughs> that they've just added to all the time. You know, you talk about the Holy Communion, all those children, all those girls in white dresses and all the boys, we all had red ties. Yeah. Well, we would wear suits. Yeah. A little wear. Yeah. On our communion, uh, you would wear a suit with a, Roses. Mm-hmm. The girls all look like little brides. Yeah. They're all like little brides and we're all like little grooms. It's really odd. Yeah. And then what we were made to do was uh, we were made call around all the houses. I live like in a housing estate. It, it's it's not really a huge thing in Britain, housing estates. I mean, there is housing council areas, mm. but in Ireland, these weren't council housings. Almost. It was just thousands and thousands of houses that were exactly the same. Yeah. Like that stretch for miles in this big suburb of Dublin. And we were all there. And then our, on your communion day, you, you know, made your communion, let's say that morning. And then you come back down to your house. And then you were the exhausting, embarrassing task of going around all the doors and just knocking on the door of the neighbors. And you just stood there. <laughs> and the, ne- the minute you opened the door, because the neighbors knew it was communion confirmation day, kids were going into the houses like it was Halloween, like trick or treat. <laughs> but you're, you're just collecting money. Yeah. And I remember just like you, you, the door would open and the woman would go, oh my God, look at you. You look amazing. Wait till I get you a pound. Hang on, stand there and I'll get you a pound. And then there's this other bit. They're calling the other children to the door. They're calling the husband. Look, Jason Burns at the door. Look at him. He's all making this community. And you know what was worse? If one of your mates was a year older than you, which happened a lot where I lived, they're coming to the door as well to look at you. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, and then as your as the mum goes in to get a pound, they're going, "You other idiot! You look like a fucking spat. Look at the state of you!" And you're there going, "Shut up! I have to do this. My mum made me." Yeah, go on, Jason, in his communion too. And then you're like, and just like you, that kid would just kick back into beautiful holy child when the mother came back to the door. Yeah, with the pound. <laughs> and I I remember really odd thing: twenty one pound I collected on my communion day. Wow, that's a lot of money. That was unbelievable amount of money. Yeah, my cousins, my aunties and everything. And so uh, we were in school. And then our, you know, the nun and the priest, they, they ask you, what did you spend your money on? Like some kids, their parents made them give it back into the church. Other kids had bought like Bibles and shit. Mm. But a lot of my mates, we just, you know, the lot of lads spent it on sweets and whatever and chocolate. Yeah. And I remember, my, and then she came to me then and I went, I bought a swing. I bought an actual swing. Really? The swing was £20, yeah, in the local, it was a toy shop type of thing. A full-on swing out the back garden, you know? Brilliant. 
Yeah, I just thought I said to her, Jesus wanted me to buy a swing. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this nun, her name is Sister Teresa. We really liked her. You know, it, there was nice priests. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I met, we had our priests, our local priests were really nice lads. And uh, the nun, Sister Teresa, went on to be a mother superior. Like she got like a top gig. Mm. But she was really nice. She always helped us or any kids that were being bullied or anything like that. Yeah. And she, that poor woman, had to do sex education with us. Oh, Lord. We would have been, I'd say, we're in secondary school now. So I'd say we're four, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And she's a nun. Mm. And they, nearly, I mean... We were inches from standing up and going, listen, it's okay. We know we're not going to make you do this, Sister Teresa. We love you. Don't do this. It was all red faced. And, and oh. going, the, she had to go, and the penis and the vagina. Oh, no. Yeah. And we're going, and we're all, everybody's in this together going, oh, you poor woman. Because <laughs> at 13 or 14, we'd already found out in the schoolyard and everything. Like, that's where we got our sex education. We got it from each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And the only time we, I mean, the first time I seen a naked woman was uh, we f- we used to find porn mags in bushes when we were children. It was what right. is that about porn mags? They were always <laughs> in bushes. I think I think people who managed to get hold of them couldn't take them home. That- That's where you'd find them in a bush. Yeah, and here people were telling me that they would find them on railway tracks, especially on the Dublin to Belfast line, because <laughs> there was fellas going up there, whatever they were doing, up to Belfast, because you couldn't buy pornographic magazines in the, in the south of Ireland. Right, yeah, of course. Shop. Yeah. They were getting them in Northern Ireland and then bringing them down, but then throwing them out the window before they got <laughs> they oh, no. off the border, as if it was like some sort of like arms. Like, oh my God, get those guns, throw them out the window. Like, no, a porn mag. And then that's how you'd find them. So, yeah. Although I have to say, it is rather disgusting. My memory of that is that you would always have to avoid the pages that were stuck together. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That was not great, was it? But then I do remember a friend of mine, uh, actually, Ardle Hanlon, Father Ted, mm. Father Dougal. Ardle said this brilliant thing. He said that he's from Monaghan. And it's small enough community in Monaghan. And he said that he. <laughs> That they had uh, one porn mag between the whole lot of them as children, you know, <laughs> and they would pass it around. And Ardle was always a lovely man. He is a lovely man. He was a lovely child, I assume, as well. Very well behaved. Mm. And he felt, well, it, it was his go to take it. And he felt terrible. He just felt awful. He felt terrible for the women in the magazine. He was just going, that's just awful, that. So he said before he did anything, he went to his dad's wardrobe and took out one of his dad's ties and put a tie on before he looked at my porn mag. <laughs> Out of respect oh, to the women. Bless him. <laughs> so it's quite funny. What an image in a tie. I know. You're still having a pedal with a tie on. Yes, <laughs> and then he found it was a bit long and got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> he just kept flicking it into his chin. <laughs> And ever so, after, his wife says yeah. he's got this strange habit. He always puts a tie on. I don't know what that's about. Oh, but like talking about being like a child, and my childhood was amazing. I had a great childhood. The fun I had, mm. being outdoors, making things, building things, getting everywhere. And then you'll hear children kind of going, oh, yeah, rubbish. I want to hear about your childhood. Ours, ours is fine. But my 15-year-old boy, when I told him about my childhood, he was like, oh, my God, I would love to have been around then. Uh, love to have been around then you know like the just setting things on fire randomly <laughs> like bushes he's just seen a bush in the summer <laughs> he was, 
He just lit it. And, um, <laughs> to make sure there's not a porn mag at the bottom. Oh, yeah, don't ruin us. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, yeah. What a great image. Kids burning a bush and then they see the porn mag. They're all jumping on the bush to put it out. <laughs> Save the play, boy. It's a very religious image, though, isn't it? A burning bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's what happened to Moses. <laughs> His 15-year-old son <laughs> yeah. hiding behind like, a rock going, oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, he ever finds out it's me. Yeah. Maybe we could do a musical called The True Story of Moses. Yeah. But yeah, all of that, like all that, that good stuff. And then, and, and the, the great thing is that I know that like, you know, your parents kind of more or less let you do what you wanted. Your mother was the one who kind of disciplined you in certain ways. We learned a lot of our stuff out on the streets. Uh, we, as I said, we burnt ourselves. We went back into the house with singed eyebrows. We did things like three-legged race, which is now banned in schools, where you'd actually get up and you'd have a sprained ankle after you did it because some big guy would drag you. And uh, and then your mother always said, just walk it off. Everything was walking off. <laughs> just walk it off. So we were all raised badly, but I'm able to look after myself. I work for myself. I started working when I was 15. I'm confident. I'm grand. My life is good because I was raised badly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the way kids are raised now... A lot of parents think they're raising them properly, but they're they're not having the tools they need for life. They're not getting any of the tools for life. No, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I remember that in my school holidays, both my parents worked, so I hardly saw my parents through the whole school holiday. I would get up at about 8 o'clock, and I'd get on my bike, and I'd go out. Yeah. And then I'd come back for tea or dinner. Yeah. And that was it. I'm out all day. Yeah, exactly. They were nothing to do with me. I had no idea where I was. No, I never questioned where I'd gone. No, but you're not going on your own either because you're going to friends yeah, or you're yeah. going to mates maybe. or We'd all meet at the park and then we'd go places. Yeah. Wander around the shops. But you were all the time, and this is a phrase I always do, is that I'm not doing that again. Because <laughs> you would, like, I remember there was, a, there was a bank, like as in like a bank, as in a river bank. Mm. It wasn't that big. And the idea was to cycle across it and land on the other side as fast as you could. You know, land, like to jump it like Evil Knievel. Yeah. But it's a push bike. <laughs> You're never going to get the speeds. And so I, I, of course, went first and I cycled as hard as I could at it. And the minute I got to the edge, I just, the wheel met the edge and just went straight down into the river. <laughs> but, like, there was no, no takeoff. There was no. no bike going in the air. And then I came back up, dragging my bike back up the hill, soaking wet. Like I most likely busted most of my body. And I looked at my mates and went, I'm not doing that again. Do you know what I mean? And they, and they all seen that and went, geez, I wouldn't do that again. And so they've, they've learned. I mean, who's going to cycle into a river anyway? But there, I just mean that these are the <laughs> things that we had to learn. And I love this bit. My dad's shed, he had all these wires connected by twisting them, like bare wires. Yeah. He would just twist the bare wire together, like live and neutral, 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 live, live. And that was it. Yeah. There was no need to buy extension leads. He would just get old wires and do that. Mm-hmm. So his whole shed was a fucking death trap, right? <laughs> it was just one of the uh, uh, grandchildren went in and got a shock. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And hit the deck. And then my mum came out. And my dad was standing over the child with a fag in his mouth. My dad said to my mum, I-, I wouldn't touch him for a few minutes if I was you. <laughs> <laughs> As if he's got it stored in him. <laughs> yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, and my mum's going, but he just grabbed the wires and got a shock. And my dad said, yeah, and he won't fucking do it again. So like, that's amount of times we all injured ourselves and learned different things and different ways of, like even removing a wheel off a bike and doing it the wrong way or hurting yourself. And you know what I mean? Yeah, all, yeah. The, all, 
And you would think, of course, it would be, you know, there'd be death traps left, right and centre. But actually, when I think back to my childhood, I can only remember one child dying. Yeah. Out of all of us. Out of all of us. And it was chaos. And that's quite good odds. Yeah. He was knocked over. And that was only because we lived in a street where we weren't used to there being cars. Right. Now, I'm not talking about living in the countryside. I'm living right in the middle of London. Yeah. It was a side street. And so there were so few cars around then. So few people had cars. Yeah. That yeah. they never went down these streets. And this kid just walked across the road and got knocked down and killed. God, that is sad. That's sad. But that's, yeah, we only had, I had one as well. Mm. It was, I think he was on the back of a motorbike. That's what he was. He was a young, younger kid. Right. An older kid had a bike and they both fell off and he died. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, the odds are, that's not so bad. I know it sounds awful, but <laughs> one kid out of thousands of children, yeah. all living and learning. And like, again, my dad, once the plumbing went in the attic, the, like up where the tank was, mm. and there was just fucking, I don't know, water was going everywhere. And there was, my dad went up in his pajamas at two in the morning with tools. <laughs> and all we could hear upstairs was bang, bang, fucking bang, stupid fucking bang, bang, <laughs> Jesus Christ, a bang, bang, ding, ding, absolute bastard, bang. And then <laughs> he came down soaking wet with all the water stopped. And he goes, There, that's that fixed. And my dad wasn't a plumber. No. And I remember my mum going, how do you know how to do that? And he said, you should know how to do that. Very good. And then that changed. Him. And that's what he, my dad was always that go like, you should know. And he was probably up there perfectly capable of avoiding all the live wires that he had up there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easy. No problem. No, no problem. problem. And my da- but my dad never called anybody. He would never get anybody to help him to build anything. Or he'd get friends, but he wouldn't be paying a, a tradesman. Because my no. dad was a cooper. So he was good with his hands. Mm-hmm. We lived in a semi-detached house in Dublin and there was a, fr- a front room and a back room. Or the back room was the good room. Mm-hmm. That was the room where we never ever used. <laughs> but then my dad had an idea of taking down the middle wall. And I remember, I remember clearly because I was helping him, he took down a middle wall with basically a huge sledgehammer. That's what he was doing, yeah. whacking into it. But when he was whacking into it, the hole, he was going bang, bang, bang. And he took, he must have taken a big six foot chunk, you know, like six foot square door. If you imagine imagine something like that, like a square. Mm. And then he looked up and he went, oh, bollocks, the floor is moving. (laughs) So he he fucking hit a supporting wall. He didn't like panic. He just lit a fag and walked out the door and went down to one of his neighbors and got like a supporting, you know, those things that they twist to keep the wall up. So over the years, my dad took that wall down. He put it back up with plasterboard. He took it down again. He put in French doors. He took it down again. And now it's the funniest wall ever. Now it's a wall with a hole in it. So you can see through to the other room. <laughs> like a serving hat. Yeah. I was going, Dad, what's, what the? F-? He goes, well, now you can see into that room now. You can see into it. It's going, why? Tony must have seen something trendy on the television where, you know, they'll, they'll open a the room up by like, you know, putting a hole in the wall so you can see through this way and that and that but it was just a square hole my dad made a two-foot square hole oh jason i think you've written a play but i have a feeling you could easily write a television series oh my god paddy Lama's sheds paddy Lama's shed talks yeah and you know what my my dream michael would be with my dad is to turn him into a kind of mrs merton <laughs> where he can interview older or no, he start him as an old man can interview star because he would never know any who anybody is no 
And he would literally say horrific shit to people. Like, I mean, he would literally go, what What do you do for a living? What the hell is that? Like, he would mail into them. Like, really good. So as a character, that would be a lovely thing. Yeah. Yeah, work on it. That's a really good idea, I think. <laughs> Very funny. And actually, one more thing before I go, because you're probably running out of time, are you? No, no, no I'm all right. Well, I mean, I was going to say to you, normally on this, I'd ask people to tell me five things they put in a time capsule. That's fundamentally the idea of the thing. But... I have a feeling we've covered it. Yes, we have covered yeah. it, yeah. Which is fine. All be nostalgic for me. You know what I mean? It's BMX, E.T., <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, an altar boy. Yes, quite. Cossack? Cossack? How do you say that Cossack, again? yeah. Yeah, Cossack. Yeah. And a picture of me dad, uh, and my old dad, for people go, what? what <laughs> sitting what in his shed with man? a fag on. Absolutely. And one last thing I'll tell you, this is the last one he said. This was one of the last moves he made before he died. Mm. Is that... He used to have a big flat screen television in the good room on the telly, all opened up. He was trying to fix it for about a year. <laughs> like he had no idea how to do it. <laughs> so he said to me, uh, I was up there one day and he goes, the sky box isn't working. He said, the sky box is broken. Can you get me a technician? So I went, uh, yeah. So I, I sat, I, you know, sat on the phone, you know, press one, press two, blah, blah, blah. Technician on its way. Technician coming on Wednesday, my dad goes, brilliant. So my sister was there. And she said, when the technician arrived, <laughs> the guy got the box and he went, there's just wires out of the back of this that have been plugged out. And my dad, my dad standing there with a cigarette going, really? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you serious? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And then he, so he put it back in. The sky worked perfectly. And my dad said, listen, before you go, you wouldn't have a look at this telly in the back room for me, would you? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy from Sky went, oh, he goes, well, can you fix a fucking telly, me dad? And he goes, no. And he goes, would you work for telly? Why can't you fix a telly? I need a 50 quid. And so my dad disconnected the wires in the skybox so we could get a sky technician out to fix his old telly. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> what a great man. Uh, anyway, Michael, what a joy talking to you. Uh, it's lovely Jesus. to talk to you. Have a fantastic time in Edinburgh. I'm sure it'll be enormous yeah. success. Two shows, well done. Yeah, and well done on your wedding anniversary <laughs> in France. It was lovely. It looked gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> long may it last, Michael. Ah, uh, well, I'm clinging to it as long as I can. Yeah, just keep praying to whatever saint does that. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got to go to Mass now, I'm sorry. I yeah. can hear the bells ringing in the distance. Uh, okay, Michael, <laughs> see you later, man. Okay, bye, 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 bye. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Jason Byrne. What a great guest Jason was. I know he didn't quite play by the rules, but we found out in the end the things he put in the time capsule, didn't we? I think he'd definitely want to bury some aspect of Catholicism, but he'd treasure his BMX bike that he rode into the river, an altar boy's cassock, I'll throw in some bells so he can jingle them, his Raiders of the Lost Ark cross glinting in the sunlight from the back window of the church, and of course, a photo of his brilliant dad, sitting in his shed with a whiskey and a fag on. That is going to be a great show. Paddy Lama's Shed Talks. Get along if you can. Thanks to Jason for talking to me from his car by Dublin Docks, that's a first, and for being so entertaining I didn't want to interrupt him. Anyway, there are plenty of other slightly more formal episodes of My Time Capsule to listen to and some where we ignore the rules altogether, which you can listen to any time, particularly if you subscribe to this podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, then do tell your friends, and you can tell people you don't know by rating this podcast and maybe even leaving a short review. To find out what we have coming up and what we're up to, 
do follow me or my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, whichever you fancy. We're very friendly on there. You can listen to and download the theme tune written by Pass the Peas Music if you're a Spotify user. And this was a cast-off production for the podcast provider, Acast. But of course, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. It was skillfully produced by John Fenton Stevens. Okay, I'll leave you with my favourite Irish joke. Now, I know most of them are fairly offensive, but this one I think you'll like. An American arrives at Dublin Airport, and as he's walking through the terminal, a young Irishman walks up to him and says, Sir, are you interested in antiquities? Yeah, apologies for the accent. And he says, Yeah, I am. That's why I've come here. He says, OK, sir. And he takes out from his coat a skull. He said, Sir, this is the skull of King Bruin, the king of all of Ireland. And the American man says, That's amazing. How much is that? He said, Ten pounds, sir. Of course, the American buys it straight away, and off he goes around Ireland. After two weeks of looking at antiquities, he's on his way back to America, walking through the terminal, and the same young man walks up to him and says, Sir, sir. He says, Yeah? He says, Are you interested in antiquities? He says, Yeah, I, I am interested in antiquities. He says, Ah, sir. And out from his coat, he takes another skull. He said, Sir, this is the skull of King Bruin, the king of all the Irish. And the American says, Hey, hang on a minute, fella. When I came through here two weeks ago, you sold me the skull of King Bruin, the king of all the Irish. And now you're telling me that's his skull as well? And the fella says, uh, Yeah. But this is when he was a boy. Bye. <laughs>